You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, God, in His goodness, has always had a place to meet man. God always created throughout the entire Bible a place where God can meet us and a place where we can meet God. I think of how he created a place for Adam and Eve, two people on planet Earth. They had 100% in attendance in church in the garden. And God gave him a garden where God, chapter 3, verse 8, he came walking in the cool of the day. Why did God come there? Because they, that was the place where they had fellowship. That's where God met man and man met God. God has always given people a place to meet him. Noah had an ark. While he was on that ark and it rained and over a year, the whole ordeal, he took seven clean animals for the purpose of sacrificing to God. On that ark with eight that were saved, he had a place to meet God. And God met with him. In fact, God one day made sure the door was shut. And then God made sure that when you could see out, that he could see that there was a place for them to rest. God had a place to meet Adam and Eve. And God had a place to meet Noah. And God had a place to meet Genesis chapter 12. He had a place to meet a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham met God at a place called Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. And Abraham went to meet God. And when Abraham met God, God gave him direction. One day God, uh, uh, Abraham got fearful. And instead of meeting God at Bethel, he saw that there was a famine and he ran down to Egypt and he really destroyed for a moment his life. But you know, when he came back the next chapter, he went back to Bethel. God always has given us a place. I think in the Old Testament how that God says, Moses, you come on up here. As Adam had a place, the garden, and as Abraham had a place, Bethel, and as Noah had a place, the ark, I want the children of Israel to have a place. And I want you to build a tabernacle. It was portable. The Levites would move the tabernacle. The tabernacle was built right in the center. It was two parts. There was the holy place, 15 by 30, and then the holy of holies, 15 by 15. The high priest would go in there and offer sacrifices for his sins and the sins of the people. The, the high priest, and still today in some courtrooms in America, particularly the East Coast, the judge has bells on the bottom of his robe. And the purpose is, as Moses, when the high priest would minister the office in the Holy of Holies, you could see, you could recognize, you could not see, you could hear, he was fulfilling his task as he was working, the bells would be ringing as he made sure that he had sacrificed for sin. 
They say that many courtrooms, the judge still, because you hear the judge coming and judgment is coming. You know that God told Abraham, excuse me, Moses to build this tabernacle. It's an incredible tabernacle. It was right in the center. Three tribes were to the north, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the west, and three tribes to the east. And those families were in their units and they moved and the center of their life was the tabernacle. The center of Adam's life was that garden. The center of that life of Noah temporarily was that ark. The center of Abraham's life was that Bethel place where he worshiped God. Well, then comes Solomon. You see, God always has had a place. And God gave a place called a temple. And in that temple, God told him exactly how high the pillars were to be and how, how many steps. And they, they made this beautiful temple. It was a place where they could meet God. Let's fast forward. We are now in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, God made a place where we could gather together and worship God. It's called the church. It is so important that Ephesians 5, 25, Jesus gave his life for the church. Why would we be careless with the church when Jesus died for it? Why would we be so flippant with the church, careless with the church? Why would we attack the church? Well, I'm not a church, I'll tell you what, because I grew up in a church and the youth group was no good and they had rules and regulations and I don't like it and I'm all messed up in life. I gotta go see a therapist today, but it's the church. It's God's institution. God says, forsake not this assembly of yourselves together as the manner is and so much more Hebrews 10, 25, as you see the day approaching. The church, well, the church is soon going to be gone. Like these various places, the garden is now gone. The temple site is there, but the temple's gone. And the, and the ark is gone, though they believe it's in Turkey nestled there and now the Muslim faith will not allow people to go there because they spotted what they think is the ark or believe is the ark these 30 some years ago, 40 some years ago. And so there it is frozen in ice. Bethel, we have churches named Bethel Baptist or whatever, but Bethel, that place of Abraham's gone. And soon, the trump of God shall sound. The voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. And wherefore shall we ever be with the Lord? Think of this, who lives within you and who lives within me? The Holy Spirit of God. Can you imagine the vile violence corrupt as in the days of Noah, living that's gonna go on when the church is exited out of here, the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit, his function will not rest on people like it did, like it did with you and I dwelling within us. We have the Holy Spirit as salvation, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
but we're gone. Now that great tribulation for seven years. And then we come back with Jesus and we're in the text where we are tonight. It's the millennial, as Pastor Bertrand mentioned, it's the millennial reign of Christ. There's seven years tribulation. The rapture, we're going to heaven for seven years. Two events take place there. The marriage supper of the Lamb and also the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. And we'll receive those things done in the body, whether good or whether evil. And if those things that were good, they're out of, out, out of uh, uh, silver and gold and precious stone, they're gonna last. But if our labor has been wood, hay and stubble, they'll be burned up. We will not be judged for our sins. That was judged at Calvary. But we will be judged with rewards or loss for our labor here and our spirit, our attitude was in flesh. And then there'll be, unfortunately, weeping in heaven. And God says twice, he's gonna have to wipe away the tears because the bema seat judgment of Christ, it will be revealed. The Bible says it will be made manifest. The word manifest is publicly declared. God's gonna reveal. Mystery, when I've been here for 46 years almost now. It's gonna be public revealed. If the breath of God was on my life, the touch of God, or if it was just all flesh, and we'll receive those things so that we may take Revelation chapter five, the crowns, and we'll lay them at the feet and say, Jesus, thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and majesty and dominion and power for now and forevermore. At the end of that seven years and all on planet Earth, there's 21 judgments coming. There's the seal judgments, the vile judgment, the trumpet judgments, and God is gonna judge this world. There'll be anarchy. You will not be able to buy or sell if you don't have the mark of the beast on your hand or your forehead. Sounds real close to me. You won't get a job without the mark of the beast. You won't buy groceries without the mark of the beast. You will not go to restaurants without the mark of the beast. It seems like maybe it's his coming is nigh. When you begin to see all these things to come to pass, look up for your redemption draw up nigh. Just a little longer and we'll all be glory bound. Just a little longer the trump of God's gonna sound and we'll be all for all eternity with him. All oh, this planet earth will be such an awful thing. It will climax in the Valley of Megiddo at Armageddon, and they'll come with 200 million soldiers from China. Isn't it amazing that China now has over 200 million soldiers? And they'll come from the east. China will push her muscles as she's pushing into Taiwan tonight, even as we speak, as she's pushing into Hong Kong, even as we speak, and controlling communist China is controlling these countries of the world and really controlling a place called the United States of America. And China will come from the east. And Egypt, the Bible says, will come up from the south. And Ezekiel 38, 39, Gog and Magog, Russia, Moscow is gonna come on from the north. And then the Mediterranean will come and they'll all congregate in the Valley of Megiddo. Napoleon said this would be the greatest place for a world battle. Well, there will be a world battle. How the nations of the world will come. But the war against King Jesus, and he'll be the victor. Now we get to our chapter. The millennial reign of Christ, where we'll live and reign with Christ 
a thousand years. I wonder, I wonder if God's gonna allow you for that thousand years to be the mayor of the city of Santa Clara. I'd like not to be the mayor, I'd like to be the pastor of this church. I, I tell you what, I don't know all that's going on for the millennial reign, but I know the headquarters is Jerusalem. And I know that Jesus is gonna rule and reign. After that, Satan will be loose for a season to go and deceive the nations one more time. And then he'll be cast into a lake of fire for all eternity. And we'll forever be with the Lord. We'll be walking on streets of gold. We'll be walking where the gates are not closed. There are 12 gates, but they're all open, Brother Bertram, aren't they? All open for whosoever will may come. And isn't it wonderful there'd be no night there because the light of the world is right there, Jesus Christ. It's gonna be a place of peace and harmony and safety. Oh, it's gonna be a place where we sing and the Bible says we'll say amen, amen. Some about an amen or well, you will be when you get to heaven. And so we arrive at our text. God's always had a place. God's always had a place where we could worship him. And this, Ezekiel chapter 48, you read with Brother Bertram the gates, and we come to verse number 35. And it was around about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be, I want you to read our message, the, verse, the latter part, the last four words of this chapter of this book in verse 35. What's the last four words say? Ready, begin. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. It's a place where we can worship God. The Lord is there. As he closes this book, there's a statement that is made for you and me tonight. The Lord is there. Yes, the millennial is gonna be wonderful. But I wanna ask you a question. If he's gonna be there in that temple, why can't he be here in this church? As we await the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, why can't he not be at the North Valley Baptist Church? And I think he is. I truly believe that he is. These last days till eternity, I wanna pastor a church where the Lord is there. You know, one of their favorite verses in the Bible for soul winning is Revelation 3.20. But quite frankly, one of the saddest verses, we can use it for soul winning, where it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, I will come in to sup with him and he with me. But that's a tragic verse, really, because it's talking about the church of Laodicea. They were lukewarm. They were on fire for God. And why should Jesus be on the outside of the church? It is representing the church. Why should he be on the outside knocking on the outside doors of the North Valley Baptist Church? I wonder, folks, on October the 1st, 2021, can I come into your church today? I wonder how many churches in America, God was really there this morning. We know the strobe lights are going. 
We know the contemporary music is going. We know the praise teams are going. We know all this stuff is going, but I mean, was God, was God present in your Sunday school class? Was God present when you sang today? Was God present when we preached the word of God today? Was God present when we were ushered today? Was God present when we served him today? I want to make sure that our church is a church where God is not on the outside knocking to get in, but God is in here doing something special. My twin sister is here tonight. We were saved. I was saved at church in 1956. She was saved that night at home in my parents' bedroom. We were saved in 1956, but we didn't know about getting baptized immediately the same hour, the same day, or quickly, that is. We got baptized outside in 1959. We were attending the Calvary Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Dr. M.R. Siemens was our pastor. Uh, Dr. John R., his brother was M.R. Siemens. Dr. John R. Siemens and his wife Gladys. He was such a, really a beautiful pastor, that old gray hair and combed back. A wonderful man of God, a great Bible teacher, scholar, and he just loved people. All my pastors, I had Pastor Siemens, I had Pastor Smith, I had Pastor Swanson, I had Pastor Sanders. Uh, if you're a letter S, I'll take you to be my pastor as well. We had a few others in there throughout the time. But I'll never forget, we got baptized outside. Our church did not have a baptistry. Our church had a picture behind here. And the picture was a long, big, a lot bigger, longer than this. A picture of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I can see this picture to this day. Why won't you let God in your heart? Where you can say God is there. Why won't we let God in our marriage where we can say God is there? Why won't we allow God in our church? You know, when God gets in a church, there's some evidence. This chapter tells us that evidence, and I want you quickly tonight to see that evidence. And you know, the evidence is not banquets and parties and play activities and food distribution and sports. You know, when God is in a church, there's preaching. There's singing, there's praising God, there's invitations of people getting right, there's holiness, there's godliness, there's standing for Christ, there's sacrifice, there's shouting, there's tears when God is in there. I want you to go back to chapter 43 because this entire, uh, entire description of the temple begins back in about chapter 40. And in chapter number 43, we have evidence of what's happening in the temple. Afterward, he brought me into the gate, even the gate that looketh to the east. And behold, watch this now, what is in the house of God? The Bible says, and behold, the glory of the Lord came the way of the east, and his voice was like the voice of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. There it is again. And the Bible says, and verse number four, and the glory of the Lord came in the house and the way of the gate. So the spirit took me up 
and besought me in the inner court. And behold, the glory, the glory of the Lord filled the house. You know, when God is in a church, there's glory. What is glory? We sing, oh, that will be glory for me. Glory, 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 hallelujah. When we sing glory in the script, in the song book that we sing, what does glory mean? Glory means to praise God. Glory means to honor God. Glory means to rejoice in God. Church ought not to be a place where we come where the presence is ill will and anger and bitterness and hatred and we analyze. Oh no, the house of God must be filled with glory. Filled with, pardon me, glory. That's what Solomon de dedicated the, the tabernacle or the temple. There was glory that filled the house. In 2 Chronicles, I believe chapter five, the glory in chapter six, the glory of the Lord filled the place. You know, when you walk in this place, y'all say, glory's here. Praise is here. Shout is here. Happiness is here. Praise the Almighty God is here. The average church, I'm afraid, there's no glory. I, I love this song in our song book. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can see it on the faces of God's people we sing about. The song says on page 478, 49, you don't need to turn there. I want you to see the second stand, stanza. There's a holy hush around us as God's glory fills this place. I've touched the hem of his garment. I could almost see his face. And my heart is overflowing with the fullness of his joy. I know without a doubt I've been with the Lord. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel it, mighty power and its grace. I can hear the sound of angels' wings. I see glory on his face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I, I just don't know how a pastor could ever tell a people more than I could ever tell you how much I, I respect and I love and I appreciate you. Your faces always bring such, we sing about their faces, fill each, their, their, his glory fills each face. Don't come to church bad. Don't come to church angry. Don't come to church judgmental. We walk in those doors. May it not be said that you, you pass Jesus on the way out and say, he's trying to get in. Make sure that you've made your heart so ready that he's in here. And when you get in here, don't, don't, not, don't take a, a song book and not sing, sing. Don't look at the clock and say, you know, he's got to get this thing over and done with. We got a program, we've got a, we got a game, we've got to watch. Oh, I tell you what, when the presence of God shows up, there's glory on each face. I love our teenagers so much. I see it on them. I, I don't know, we don't teach it, we don't train it. But I watched them even tonight. I saw it this morning. I saw some fellows. I saw some young girls, teenagers. And I truly believe they love God, love God. And as music was going on, I'd see this. I saw it with a girl or two. I saw it with a couple of teenage boys lifting their hand. And I'm not saying you have to do that. I, I saw some amens today. 
You know what? Teenagers, they know how to root at a ball game. They know how to cheer for something else or a homecoming or whatever and thank God, but they ought to be able to go to church and have glory on their face and glory in their hand and glory on their knee. I saw this morning teenagers at the altar this morning. That's, that's when God has been showing up. There's a glory in the house. I never had the sorrow. My wife never had the sorrow of being raised in a home where it was full of anxiety and fear and doubt and frustration and mad. I never saw my dad not speak to my mother, or my mother not to my dad. My wife never had that in her home. We had, our home was a happy place. But you know, we were in church our entire life. We've always loved church. I wish you could go with me to the old Calvary Baptist Church in, center, in Irving 10, now Fremont. All the great Sundays, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, uh, the youth means the great camps, what God did, the glory of God. I wish you could go over there to Stockton those two years we were there and, and Dr. John R. Siemens. Then we came back to our home church. And then I got to serve God uh, in these churches in Wisconsin, serve God with a man who became my father-in-law. Oh, Sunday became such a wonderful day. I started with this single girl on Saturday. Her name was Cindy Swanson, now Cindy Treeper. And she'd show up on Saturday and, and she'd play for junior choir and we'd practice junior choir. And then we got the buses going and I became the bus director and it just exploded from four buses to 13 buses in one year. And things were just popping and the church was filling up. And then we had the church choir sing on Sunday morning. And on Sunday night, we'd practice the teen choir and they filled that platform and they sang every Sunday night. And I tell you, it was just a wonderful time at that great church. And thank God for all he's done. I tell you, I've been in churches where the glory of God is there. I pastored a church where the glory of God, the praise of God, the lifting up his name. The average church, I don't know if God's there. But when God's there, there's glory in the church. Secondly, I want you to see this in chapter 43 where you are. Verse 6. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house. Don't you love it when he speaks? He still speaks. I know his voice. It's in our songbook. I love the songs where, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in church and heard a preacher preach, one of our old men or an outside guest, and they preach, and God always, always, always speaks to my heart. God's so awfully and tenderly, Jesus is calling. I'll try to be quick now. But don't you ever hear God calling you to do something? Uh, don't you ever hear God prompting your heart while you sit in these pews? Go help this family. Go, go do something for the buses. We can't get in the rest homes. We have, Brother Ron, wherever you are, we have 13 rest homes for the college. We have a couple, two, three for the church. We can't get in them. We're not permitted, these dear people that need 
the Bible, and they need singing. They're stuck in these rooms. It breaks my heart. But perhaps you could start driving to the rest homes. And the Spirit of God prompts you, maybe you could park your car outside and pray. I know Brother Russ, he does have Bible clubs on the high school campus of our city here. He's been invited in and God, God's doing great things. But I wonder if some of you could just come over here to this school and that school and that school, these schools and just pull out front. You gotta be so careful nowadays, they don't think you're a stalker. But pull across the street. Maybe you could go kneel. God's led me to have a ministry at City Hall recently. And I'm gonna go, I'm not gonna make a scene, but I'm gonna be kneeling at City Hall outside the doors. There's nothing illegal about that. I could kneel and pray. I'm not gonna be obstructing the entrance, but that, that city council needs prayer. That mayor needs prayer. And God dealt with me. He's dealt with me so much in this place. How is God speaking to you? What is God saying to you? Our young people that are in elementary and junior high and high school and college, we have a missions, worldwide missions conference coming up. I know we're thinking that missions is over because they won't let you in, but it's gonna open up and it's opening up. We had another missionary family move, leave out of the States last week and went back to their field. We've gotta get the gospel there. We must get the gospel of these countries. Some of them are getting ready to go under the domination of communism. We need to get Bibles in their hands. We need to get salvation in their hearts. We need to get a songbook in their life and teach them the songs as quickly as we can because when they expel us from these countries, as they expelled the lawmans and others through the years here now, as they, as they expel us, we're gonna have to leave something to them where God has spoken to you in college. God has spoken to you in high school. God has spoken to you in junior high. I find when the Lord is there, there's glory in the house. I find that there's God speaking in the house. Did you notice in chapter number 43, verse two? In verse three, look at verse three. And it was according to the appearance of the vision I saw. Even according to the vision I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chabar. And I fell on my face. This entire text is about the house of God. You know, when God is in the place, when God is there, you're gonna find yourself often just falling on your face before God. That's why we have an altar. I didn't do it last night, but so often on a Saturday night, I know it sounds crazy. I just lay flat right down here. And I pour my heart out to God. What was the last time you fell before God? Say, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to get rid of my life? My life is so weak. 
We're so frail. I haven't arrived. And oh, I want to be so right before God. God often just, just drives me to my knees. Sometimes I'm in my study, studying the Word of God, and God just so powerfully covers my heart, I just have to fall on my knees before Him. Normally cry out, oh, wretched man that I am. So weak, so frail. But God, I want to listen to you. Why are we so proud in the presence of God? Have you ever used an altar where you humbled yourself before God? I wonder if some churches in America, when was the last time someone ever used an altar? And I know we use the altar here almost filled. But if you ever use the altar, you young boys in college, I'm not saying you have to come every service because really in college chapel, 11 o'clock every day, it seems like the entire student body comes every day. Young boys, this is life or death with the oxidine in that form. God's going to send you a mate, and with that mate, by his grace, perhaps children and a ministry. You cannot go in this thing careless. There's a city without a church that needs you. There's a city that has a building with no people that needs you. You're going to have to get your heart so tender, not when you go, but right now in Bible college. I'm out of time. I, I think I'll stop there. I have some more to say. The Bible says the Lord is there. The Spirit is there. When, when, when God, the Spirit is there, it says it right there in that text. The glory is there. The humbling, he says it again right after, after this. He says it again. I fell on my face again. God just works. Let me ask you this. It's like, oh, thank you for putting up with this voice tonight. I want to take you to the street where you live and your house number. And I ask myself the same question. Is God in my house? Is God there? Husbands and wives would be very good if you just turn to one another tonight or this week and just say, is God here? We're so argumentative. We're so frustrated with one another. We're so fearful. We're so full of anxiety. Is God in my house? Is he there? Well, if he's at the house of God, there's glory. Is there praise and worship and glorifying his name? Is God speaking to you in your home? In your marriage with your family? Is God, is God speaking to your kids? Is he in your marriage? Is he in your home? Is he in your kid's life? I wonder today, staff, is he in our offices with us? Is there evidence he's there? Is there evidence he's in our Christian school and our college and on the radio? I think he is. I, I believe it. And I know you work secular jobs. And God bless you. They make rules and regulations and laws against everything. 
And I dare say the vast majority of you have a testimony at work that brings honor to God. They know. They know. Some of you are not even permitted to put a Bible on your desk. I know. But they just know that there's something different about you. You know what's different about you and that company? God is there with you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. You know what's different about your classroom? In the school and in the college, God's there. You know what's different about your Sunday school class? God's there. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.